Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. What's up, church? Good to see everybody. It's good to be here. It's awesome. I want to give a shout out to our NIWAD campus. They're hanging out with us this morning and then everybody who's with us online. Thanks for taking 60 minutes of this Sunday. And I'm excited about uh, this week because we're starting a brand new series called Five Questions You Need to Ask. Five questions you need to ask. And here's what I want to challenge you. We're going to hit uh, question number one today, but then we've Obviously, got four more weeks, all right? We got four more questions. I'm just wondering if you'd be willing to make commitment to be here. Uh, you, you did a good job today, okay? You got here. But over the next four weeks, if you'd keep showing up, because here's, here's what we think, that if you would be willing to ask these five questions, something just might change in the context of your life. And a, a couple of months ago, some of us on staff, we, we read a book by uh, Andy Stanley. He's a pastor out in Georgia. And he, he wrote uh, this book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And a lot of content we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks comes from that book. If you'd like to take a deeper dive uh, into this discussion, you go purchase that. It's not a very big uh, book, very easy read. You can jump in and look at that. But uh, the reason why I, I get excited about what we're going to be talking about is because um, these questions uh, they're going to be uh, for you. Rather, you've been in church maybe for the first time or for, for the first time in a long time, or, or even if you've been a Christian for 30 years. I mean, the, the, the questions we're asking in this series doesn't matter if you're married or single. doesn't matter if you've got a ton of money or a little bit of money, because there's, there's one thing, there's just one thing uh, that all of us have in common. There's one thing that all of us have in common because we have it all, this one thing in common, that this means this series is for, is for all of us. I'm telling you this one thing, it won't necessarily make you feel good, but it's true, okay? It is true. You have this one thing in common with every single person that's in this room or over at Niawad or online. You, you've got this one thing in common. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna participate together this morning, all right? Wake up, okay, so here we go. We're gonna read this together, Niawad campus. You're gonna read it out loud. You better do a good job but we're gonna repeat it so that we can remember it, okay? We're gonna repeat it so we can remember it. All right, and here it is, all right? It's up on the screens, ready? We're gonna say it together. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go, ready? I have participated in every bad decision I have made. Aren't you glad you came to church? All right, let's just, <laughs> let's just say it one more time, okay? Are you ready? I... I have ever made. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's true. Think about it. Every bad decision you have ever made, you were there for. You were there. You could tell the story. Why? Because you were there and you're the one who made the decision. And so here's the promise of this series. Again, we're gonna be going over five questions over the next five weeks. And if you have enough courage, if you'll be willing to ask these questions in the light of your decision-making, here's what we think. You will end up making better decisions and you'll have fewer regrets. You'll make the right decision or you'll constantly get to the right decision because these questions will help you filter your decision making. 
And the first question that we're gonna wrestle with today has to do with this idea of story, which this is something all of us get because all of us love a good story. Some of you like to read, some of you like to watch movies or TV shows. Some of you enjoy telling stories. Some of you enjoy hearing stories, but we all have this in common as well. We, we all understand the idea of story. And today, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about how right now, even the decisions that you're making this morning is telling your story. The decisions you make today are telling the story of your life. Sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? These are the stories of your life, that every decision you make today is going to be part of your story. And we don't really think like this in the context of our decisions, but it's surely true because you get this, you get this. When you meet somebody new, and you're starting to get to know them and you have questions about their past or where they're from or, or, or how they met their spouse or where they went to school, what do you do? What do you do? When you ask a question, the person responds usually with a story. When you meet somebody new, what do you say to them? Hey, tell me your story. I say that all the time around here. I bump into people that are new to our church and I'll say, tell me your story. How'd you get here? Are you new to the area? Are you just new to our church? Where do you work? Where are you originally from? You tell your story story. The decisions you make today will be part of your story. And here's the cool thing about stories. The really, really good ones get repeated. The really, really good ones. Think about this. When you get together with your friends and you go out for a meal, or you get together with your family. Aren't there a couple of stories you always tell? You have to tell them. Why? Because they're so good. You know what other story gets repeated? The really, really bad ones. Hey, you remember when we were at that place and I did this? What was I thinking? I can't believe I did that. These are the stories we tell. The really, really good ones and the really, really bad ones. These are the ones that we repeat over and over and over again. And the thing, the thing that has, you know, that all those stories have in common is that they happened in the past. And the tension this is what we want to talk about today. The tension is that there's too many of us who aren't thinking in the term of story today. We're not thinking that what we're doing today will actually become part of our story. So think of it, just think of it like this. Everything that is happening in your life today will eventually move into your past and will get categorized in some way, somehow, as a story. It'll become a story that you tell or a story that you hope never tell. Story that you'll be too embarrassed about or it's just too painful to tell, but it will become a story and the determining factor to whether if you would want to tell it or not will be based upon the decisions that you make today. So here's the truth. All of us have this in common. We are writing our story today one decision at a time. And here's the thing. Good questions set up good decisions. Good questions set up good decisions. And this is a big deal because our decisions don't only impact us, do they? They impact the people around us. Good decisions impact the people around us. Our regrets impact the people around us. And so here's, here's question number one. Here's what we're calling the question today, all right? Question number one, we're calling the legacy question, the legacy question. And here's the question. What story do I wanna tell? Tomorrow, what stories do you want to tell about today? Months from now, years from now, 40 years from now, what are the stories that you want to tell about the decisions that you're making today? When this decision, the decision you're thinking about making this week, it's a big decision. You've been thinking about it and you've been praying about it. You've been talking to people about it. Maybe you've got one of those decisions that you're making this week. 
after you make that decision and that thing is reduced to a story that you tell years from now, what story do you want to tell? You want to be the hero? Do you want to be the villain? Do you want to be the good example or the bad example? Here's the good news. You get to decide. You get to decide. And you will decide one decision at a time, which means every decision you make today, every decision you make has an outcome, has a consequence. Again, you know this, we just don't think about this. Every decision you make today has a result and these outcomes will become a permanent part of the story of your life. And here's the thing, I think we all have this in common. Wouldn't you like to be able to tell your story without skipping any parts? Wouldn't you like to tell your story without skipping the middle chapters? Wouldn't you like to tell your story without lying <laughs> about certain things that didn't exactly go the way that you're saying they went? And isn't it true, it might just be me, but isn't it true, don't you wanna kind of be the hero of your story? Is there something inside of us that kind of wants to be the hero of our story? So here's the thing, what if, it, what if you could be? What if that could actually happen if, and it's a big if, but if, if you'd be willing to slow down in the midst of a decision and ask the question, what story do I wanna tell about the decisions I'm making right now, 40 years into the future, what story do I wanna tell about the decisions that I'm making right now? Now, now here's the thing. One of the reasons why this is so, such a, a difficult thing to do, I mean, one of the reasons why all of us are sitting here thinking about decisions we've made in our past and we're going, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Here's why. Because all those things are, 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 are happening in the midst of emotion. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that, you know, kind of come into play about why we do what we do, but I'm telling you, one of the big reasons why we tend to get this wrong in our decision-making is because of emotion. The emotions that are associated with decision-making, at least the process of making decision, always complicates things. It always complicates things. Because here's what emotions do. They focus us in on the immediate rather than the ultimate. They focus us in on what's happening right in front of us right now. And we tend in the midst of emotion not to think about the story we're gonna tell 10 years from now. This is why if you're in high school, I'm telling you high school adults, not much better, but high schoolers are the worst at this, okay? I've got one, I know. She can't get beyond today. And I'm saying, girl, I want you to think about what's happening two years from now, six years from now, 10 years from now, because there's decisions that you get to make right now that I'm telling you, I know you, you know, if you could have it your way, you, you would make the decision. I'm just telling you, it's the wrong decision. You just can't see it because you are filled with emotion and you think you know what's Best. And it may feel like it's the right decision today, but I'm telling you the story that you'll tell 10 years from now, it won't be worth it. It won't be worth it. Emotion, it clouds our judgment. It clouds our decision making. So pick one. Could be love, fear, jealousy, anger. Take your pick. Emotions, they cloud our, our judgment for decision making. This is why it's so challenging. So tough because there are no, I wish there was, but there really is no emotionally neutral decision-making environments. Emotions are part of every decision that we make. And so when it comes to really, really big decisions that you're making in the context of your life, it's almost impossible 
It's almost impossible to be objective of the way we feel. There's something that's stirring inside of us. And listen, there's a lot of people in this room and a lot of people watching online. We've never met before, but here'd be my guess. My guess is that if you would look into your past and you would start thinking about some of the worst decisions you've ever made, how many of them did you made with emotion? We have that in common. I made a decision that I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wish I wouldn't have made, but it was so emotional. I felt like it was the right thing, or I just felt like I wanted to, or I was angry, or I was this, or I was that. And so I made a decision that now I regret. I regret. And when I think back, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. But in the moment, you know, there's so much emotion. It was so appealing. So, you know, I bought it. I leased it. I, you know, I was on this diet, but then I was just feeling something. Then I ate it, you know, or you smoked it, or you dated it, or you slept with it, or you moved in with it. And sometimes you don't even know why. You make the decision and then a couple days go by and you go, what am I doing? How'd I get here? Why am I with this person? What is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. You made a decision in the midst of foggy judgment because there was so much emotion. There was so much emotion. Have you ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to the grocery store when you're hungry? I have. I have a rhythm sometimes where I'll go like for an afternoon run. And then after my run, I'll, I'll swing by the grocery store. You know, maybe my wife texts me, could you pick up a few things? It's the worst time to go to the grocery store. One, because I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Two, I'm feeling good about myself because I just ran and I burned some calories. And then I get into the grocery store and I was only supposed to pick up a couple of things. And then I get home with 10 bags of cookies and I'm in the, and I'm in the kitchen and I'm just taking one box of cookies out at a time. And my wife is looking at me going, why so many cookies? And I'm thinking, I don't even remember going down the cookie aisle. What happened? You're just walking through the store and you're like, I could eat some of that. I would like this. That sounds good. And you're not thinking about how much you're buying until after the fact. And then you get home and you go, holy cow, I just spent $30 on cookies. Why did I do that? Because I don't normally do that. You want to know why? Emotion. I was feeling good. And I was feeling hungry. And so I end up with bags of cookies at home. Here's the thing. If you're in sales, you get this. If you're in sales, you get this idea. You know exactly how this works. You know, you know exactly how this works. You know about the worst thing you can do is to let a potential customer leave the store, leave the showroom without making the sale. You want to know why? Because once they walk out, what happens? They think about it. Because in the store, they're going, man, I, maybe I should really buy that. I mean, the salesman just said, if I get this, my life will be so much better. And I want my life to be better. So I might have to overreach and pay way more money for it. But I think it might be worth it. And this guy, he seems like a really nice guy. I mean, he wants to be my best friend. <laughs> but then your wife texts you and she's like, hey, you're not buying that boat, are you? You're like, no, 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 I'm not buying the boat. And then you walk out and you drive home. You go, holy cow, I almost bought a boat today. <laughs> I... I didn't even, I wasn't even shopping for a boat, but I was just, <laughs> but I almost did. But you didn't, why? Because you walked out and you slowed down and you thought about it. And you talked to somebody else who has no emotional connection to that boat or that moment in the sales room. And they're saying, you're not gonna do 
what I think you're going to do, are you? And you say, no, I would never do that. But you were thinking it. You were thinking it. And this happens to us all the time, which means, and here's some wisdom here, which means that when you're confronted with anything or anybody that has strong emotional appeal, you should press pause, not play. You should slow down, not speed up. Not because the decision you're about to make is the wrong one. It probably is, but doesn't mean it is. It could be the right thing to do. It just means in the context of making decisions, it would be wise for you that when you're making big decisions in the context of your life, that you think about it, that you talk to somebody else about it, that you pray about it, that you push pause way before you press play. And you ask the question, what story do I wanna tell? Years from now, what story do I want to tell about the decisions I'm making? Now, there's a story in the Old Testament that if you grew up in church, you've heard this story before. But when I think of somebody who was making really good decisions in the midst of a high emotional environment who got it right, I think of a guy named Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament, who really leans into this idea of legacy and, and is really answering the question. I mean, he's using this question to help make decisions. What story do I want to tell? And so we, you know, the story of Joseph is such a big story. So I'm going to kind of hit different pieces. I'm, I'm going to really focus in on two really major decision-making moments for Joseph and how he got them Right, but here's a little backstory about Joseph. We're going around back to about 1800 BC. So there's this guy named Joseph. He's 17, he's probably about 17 years old. He's the 11th of 12 sons. So big family. He's the 11th of 12 sons and he finds himself in a very difficult situation. And hear this, that is not his fault. It's not his fault. His father, Jacob, loved him loved Joseph more than his other brothers because Jacob loved Joseph's mother more than the other ladies that he was with. Again, not Joseph's fault. But you can imagine how that made Joseph's brothers feel. In fact, they were very jealous, which is what? An emotion. And eventually their jealousy gets the best of them. And guess what? They make a bad decision. They get together and they say, you know what we should do? We should kill our brother. We should kill Joseph. And then in the context of the story, they actually hit the pause button. They like, they ruffle him up a little bit and they throw him in this hole. And then they go, wait a minute, do you think we should really kill him? And they're like, ah, oh, you know, maybe not. I don't know if we should kill him. And then they're like, all right, let's sell him. Okay, so look at this. This is Genesis chapter 37, verse 26. They pause, but they still get it wrong. It says this, so Judah, one of the brothers said to his other brothers, what will we gain? if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? That's a good question. <laughs> so come, let's let him go. No, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, right? He's our own flesh and blood. So his brothers agreed. So you have these brothers, there's emotion, it clouds their decision-making process. And then there's this day that the brothers wish that their brother was dead. So they think about killing him. Then they step back and they go, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll sell him. And here's a question. How many days after this day did these brothers think, did we make the right decision? How many days after this decision did they think, did I really want that to be a part of my 
story? Did they ever say to themselves, why did we do that? I can tell you this, there's a day coming that we're gonna talk about in a moment that they wish they hadn't had done it, but they did. Why? Because they were jealous. Verse 28, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the hole and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So they sell Joseph to slave traders and they tell their father that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. So now they're liars. And now these brothers, they got a secret that they're gonna live with for the rest of their life. It's not the kind of secret that you want, but they have a story that they can tell, but it'll be an embarrassing one. It's not a good story. And again, how to get to the point where they made a decision that they would regret? Emotion, jealousy. Just imagine if they would talk to somebody who wasn't a brother, if they could phone a friend real quick and go, hey, hey man, we're thinking about killing our brother. Um, you think that's a good idea? No. Cool. Okay, so we slowed down, we threw him in a hole. Now we're just thinking about selling him, then lying to dad. Is that any better? Still no. Okay, so what I hear you saying is we shouldn't kill him or sell him. Right, you should probably just get him out the hole. It's not gonna be worth it. It's not gonna be worth it. You're not thinking more past today, but I'm telling you, there's a day coming that you're gonna wish that you didn't do what you are about to do. And what these brothers gained in the moment was not worth what they would be focused to carry on for the future. It wasn't worth it. But they weren't thinking about the story. They were just looking at the decision that they were making that day. So Joseph ends up in Egypt where he's eventually, he gets put on, uh, up for auction as a slave and he's purchased by a guy named Potiphar. And so Joseph decides to serve Potiphar's household as if it was like his own and Potiphar, he eventually notices how Joseph is working and leading, and he essentially puts Joseph in charge of. He, he is responsible now just for about everything that's happening in Potiphar's house. Look at this, Genesis 39, verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. Pretty amazing. He's, he's a slave, but he's in charge of everything. And he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. So now Joseph, who at this time, he's probably about 19 or 20 years old, is presented with a major decision, major decision. And here's the question, do I sleep with Mrs. Potiphar? Do I sleep with Mrs. Potiphar. And what's very interesting here, Joseph, he actually rehearses his story out loud in front of Mrs. Potiphar as he is looking to figure out what story do I want to tell? Now look at this, verse eight. But he refused, Mrs. Potiphar, hey, listen, with me in charge, my master, Mr. Potiphar, he does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then, look at this question, good question. How then could I do such a wicked thing in sin against God? Good questions lead to good decisions. Essentially, Joseph says, Mrs. Potiphar, why, why? 
Why would I want an affair with my master's wife as part of my story? He's not thinking just in the moment and what's being presented in front of him. He's thinking, hey, listen, I'm looking at my life in a much broader concept. And I'm thinking about what's been happening in this house. I mean, Mrs. Potiphar, I showed up as a slave, and, but I worked hard and your husband has put me in charge of everything. But there's one thing that is a no-go and it's you. So why, Mrs. Potiphar, would I wanna make a decision that would ultimately probably ruin this situation that I find myself in? I mean, Joseph essentially has two stories that he could tell. Story number one. Story number one, Mrs. Potiphar, hey, your husband gave me an opportunity that I didn't deserve, but I worked hard and I, I earned his trust. So I will remain faithful to him and God. So I'm not gonna sleep in your bed. I'm gonna sleep in my bed by myself. Or story number two, hey, Mrs. Potiphar, uh, your husband gave me an opportunity I didn't deserve, but I worked hard and I earned his trust. So I'm gonna take advantage of my situation. And I'm gonna sleep with you in your bed when he's not home. Two very different stories. And Joseph is thinking, what story do I want to tell? 20 years from now, what story do I wanna tell? And Joseph easily could have been in the moment when he's thinking, man, my, my life has just been tough. It's been difficult. I mean, my, my, you know, I'm not even home right now. I'm a slave. I was in a family with a father who loved me and my, my brothers betrayed me. And so I'm just going to do what I want to do. And yet, at 19 or 20 years old, Joseph goes, ah, is this the story that I want to tell? Woe is me, so I just do whatever I want. Or, or is there a better decision to make? He decides not to sleep with Mrs. Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar gets so upset, she accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. So Joseph makes the right decision. And what happens? He gets thrown in jail. <laughs> Tough story. And while Joseph is in prison, he does the exact same thing that he did in Mr. Potiphar's house. He works hard. Joseph gains favor with the prison ward. And check it, he actually gets him put in charge of the prison. He's done this before. It was in Mr. Potiphar's house, works hard, gets put in charge of it. He gets thrown in prison, he works hard. And the prison ward goes, hey, you do a really good job. You should run this place. And I'm sure Joseph's thinking, man, I hope one day I can be a prisoner and run a prison. No, but he does the best with what he has been given. He does the best. Now, listen to this, several years later, Several years later, he eventually finds himself in front of Pharaoh to interpret a dream because the word on the street was that in prison, Joseph could do that. So Joseph gets called by Pharaoh to have a meeting. Joseph shows up because Pharaoh believed that he had a dream that was really significant for the nation of Egypt. So Joseph, standing in front of Pharaoh, says to Pharaoh, listen, um, I can't interpret your dream, but God can, which is pretty risky because he's standing in front of somebody who calls himself to be God. But Joseph says, listen, I, I, I don't know if I can do this for you, but God surely can, the God that I follow, the God that I pray to. And, 
And if you'll let me, I, I think I could probably, with his help, interpret this dream. And so Pharaoh says, yeah, go ahead, uh, interpret the dream. And, Pharaoh sa- and Joseph says to Pharaoh, uh, listen, Egypt is going to have seven years of incredible grain harvest, but then you're going to experience a famine you can't even imagine. That's the whole point of your dream. And then after Joseph kind of finishes, you know, interpreting the dream, he gives Pharaoh some advice. Again, you're talking about a dude who's been in prison for years, talking to the most powerful person on the planet, probably. It says, and oh, by the way, and Pharaoh wasn't asking, but he said, I got some advice for you. If you were wise, if you were wise, you should choose somebody. Pharaoh, if you were wise, you would choose somebody who you trust because your life and the life of your people are going to be at stake seven years from now. Chapter 41, verse 38, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anybody like this man? One in whom is in the spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Look what happened. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with the respect to the throne. Will I be greater than you? Pharaoh makes Joseph the prime minister of Egypt. And seven years later, there would be a famine and it would devastate Egypt just as Joseph had predicted, but Joseph was the one who was leading the charge and had prepared the nation for it. And wouldn't you know, it wouldn't be too long till people that were kind of living in that area of the world began showing up in Egypt because they were not prepared for this famine, including people showing up like Joseph's brothers. And when they arrived, Joseph recognized them, but they did not recognize him because the last time they saw him, he was probably 17. Joseph eventually reveals his identity to his brothers who are, what the Bible says, immediately terrified. And they began to beg for Joseph's mercy that they knew they didn't deserve. Second major decision. Joseph is now the prime minister of Egypt. He's got his brothers standing in front of him that did him so wrong. 30 years ago. And oh, how the story has flipped and how things have changed. But friends, I'm telling you, now Joseph's got to be thinking, do I want to do to my brothers what they did to me? In this moment, Joseph can decide anything he wants. He can kill them. He can enslave them. But the reason why we're talking about this story 2,000 years after it happened is because of what Joseph decided in this moment. Instead of killing his brothers, he gave them food. Instead of making them slaves, he sends back word to his family, you should move to Egypt where I can watch over you and take care of you. He plays it totally different. And do you want to know why? Do you want to know why he played it differently? Here's why. Because I think he decided that he wanted to write a better story. I think that he thought, you know what? I want to live a story that's worth telling. Everybody else would do it this way, but I'm going to do it this way. It's a better story. It's why we're talking about it years and years and years after it happened. Just think about this for a sec. Just think about this for a sec. I mean, you're there in Egypt a couple thousand years ago, right? And let's say, you know, you're like a fourth grader, you know, and your elementary teacher's like, hey, I want you to do a paper on leadership. 
want you to talk to somebody who has influence in our community and you through a friend, through a friend, through a friend, you have a contact who knows Joseph. So you reach out to your contacts and they send, you know, they don't have email, but something like that, right? And Joseph responds like, yeah, I'll meet with you. I'll help you out with your paper you have to write. And you're just so ecstatic. And you go and you sit down with Joseph and you meet him and you're in awe of this guy. I mean, he's the second most powerful person in the world. And you look at Joseph and you say, how'd you get here, Joseph? What'd you do? What are the decisions that you made? And Joseph would look at you and go, you're never gonna believe this. But a long time ago, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, I grew up in a large family and I had a dad who loved me, but my brothers didn't. And they threw me in a hole and they almost killed me. Almost ended my story right there, but instead they decided to sell me. And that's how I got to Egypt, as a slave. And I was sold to this guy named Potiphar. You may have heard of him. But I decided that I was gonna do the very best I could in Potiphar's house. And eventually Potiphar put me in charge. It was my first lesson in leadership, but he put me in charge of the whole thing. Wow. And what happened? Well, you know, you're talking to a fourth grader, so you don't know how to say it. But essentially you say, you know, well, Mrs. Potiphar, she wanted to hug me, you know? And, um, <laughs> and I just said, no, that wouldn't be right. That wouldn't honor Mr. Potiphar. And so I said, I, I said, no. And so she lied about something I did and it got me thrown in jail. What? Yeah. We don't talk a lot about that in my story, but it's true. I ended up in jail for years, but I decided to work hard. It was my second place where I learned a lot about leadership. And eventually the prison ward who has run the whole thing put me in charge of the whole thing. And I began to gain influence in jail, leading other prisoners. And eventually God had given me the ability to to help people interpret their dreams. And one day Pharaoh had this dream and he couldn't figure out what the dream meant and all his people couldn't figure out what the dream meant. So they, they called me in jail and I, I got to stand in front of Pharaoh and I interpreted his dream. And I told him about the famine and then I told him if he was wise, he should put somebody in charge of it. And you know what he did? What did he do? He put me in charge. And I didn't see it at the moment, but God was preparing me to lead at the highest level. And I've been the prime minister of Egypt now for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Such an incredible story. We keep talking about it over and over and over again. If you grew up in church, somebody told you the story of Joseph. And do you want to know why? It's a story we're telling. There's not many stories like that story. So in the context of all the decisions you get to make today and this week and this month and all the different areas of influence that God has given to you, here's just a good question. Before you make your next decision, what story? What story do you wanna tell? What story do you wanna tell to your kids? to your grandkids, what story do you want them to tell about you when you're not here anymore? What story do you want them to tell?
Because the truth is, and here we all have this in common, you are writing your story today, one decision at a time. So you might as well write a good one. Write a good one. And if you haven't written a good one yet up to this point, then end this chapter and start a new one. And start going in the direction that you want to go. And this is where people get hung up sometimes because, you know, I'll bump into people that have an incredibly difficult story. It's one of the reasons why they haven't been in the church in a long time or, or, or ever. And, and they'll say something like this, well, Matt, you don't know my story. And I go, you're right. I don't know your story and I don't know if your story is worth telling or not. And I don't know if it's filled with incredible joy or, or incredible pain. But here's what I know. Let me tell you a better story. Here's a story. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross so that he could redeem your story. That you could never get too far down the wrong road where you would be a lost cause. Jesus has the ultimate story. It's what we talked about last week as he is hanging on the cross. And he says, you know what's finished? Here's what's finished. People that have come to a conclusion that they've done too much and gone too far and there is no hope for them. And Jesus says, there is always hope for you. You just got to change the decisions that you're making. So I'll end with this and then I pray. Every time, every time, Every time you're faced with a decision that has incredible magnitude in the context of your life, you should ask yourself, you should ask yourself, it's not just a decision, you should ask yourself, when this moment is nothing but a story, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, what story do I want to tell? I could have slept with her, I didn't. I could have had them thrown in jail. I didn't. Because that's not the story that Joseph wanted to tell. What story? What story do you want to tell? And what stories are people going to tell about you when you're not here? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the reminder that the decisions we make today are important they're important. I pray that you would help us to see beyond today. That in the moments of life when we have big decisions to make, that we would be wise enough to slow down, to hit pause before we hit play, to make sure that the emotions of life aren't clouding our decision-making judgment. That we would think about what story we wanna tell 10 years from now and 20 years from now. That we would think about the stories that we want folks to share at our funeral. That we would be even smart enough to know that our decisions have influence in the lives of people around us. That our regrets impact the people around us. That even as parents this morning, we have little faces that are watching the decisions we make. So I pray that you would help us to make the right one at the right time and that we would be smart enough to ask the question, what story? What story do we want to tell after we make all the decisions that will be part of it? Father, we thank you for the story of Jesus and the hope and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that is provided for us. And I pray that that might even 
set somebody free this morning from a tough story, a negative story, a story that's been following them for years, that they would know that you have allowed us to hit the refresh button and to move forward in a different way. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.